What's up, coaches? You are tuning in to Keep Your Pads Down, a podcast devoted to defensive line play. And this is episode number 21. Thank you for checking us out. For us Texas coaches, today marks the second day of the Texas High School Coaches Convention and Coaching School this year in Houston, the unofficial kickoff for high school football in the state of Texas. So if you're in Houston today, keep a lookout for me because I do have a few KYPD t-shirts I'm giving away. So if you happen to see me, stop me, say hi, and get a t-shirt if I have any left. If you're not in Houston today, have no fear. We got a great episode lined up for you with Coach William Green, defensive tackles coach and run game coordinator at Jacksonville State University. On to talk about his days playing DN for the Florida Gators and how the Gamecocks have managed to win five straight Ohio Valley championships, pass rush technique for your interior D lineman, and finally, we get Coach Green to tell us the best college football environment he experienced as a player besides the swamp, of course. Coach Green is from Spanish Fort, Alabama, where he was a parade All-American before heading to Gainesville, where he was part of the 2008 National Championship team, in which they beat the Oklahoma Sooners to finish the season 13-1. Coach Green went on to have an outstanding career for the Gators, which included being elected as team captain his senior season in 2011. Coach Green began his coaching career as a graduate assistant at Jacksonville State for two seasons before heading back to his alma mater to GA for the Gators during the 2016 season. In 2017, Coach Green returned once again to JSU to become the defensive tackles coach for the Gamecocks. Coach Green has a lot of great stuff to share with us today, so lean in close, grab a pen and a notepad, and enjoy today's episode of KYPD. Great to have you on the podcast, and I'm excited we get to talk some pass rush today from a guy who knows a little bit, a bit about that topic, both as a player and a coach. Yes, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me on. Well, well Coach, let's let's jump right into it. You're from Spain Park, Alabama, an area known for playing great high school football, and, and from there you went to the University of Florida. So I guess just start off by telling us about your experiences there in Gainesville. Uh, in Gainesville, you know, I had a really, really great experience. Um, I was able to be a part of 2008 um, national championship team. Um, played with a lot of great players. It was got a chance to be around a really, a lot of really, really great coaches. You know, Coach Urban Meyer and uh, Charlie Strong was there. And then, you know, later in my career, I was able to be a team captain as a senior in 2011. And you know, by that time, Will Muschamp had taken over the program. And, uh, you know, Dan Quinn was actually the defense coordinator and my position coach. And, you know, he's been a guy that um, that is I lean on heavily for, for my you know own coaching career just as far as the things that I teach and the way I teach things and, you know, relate to players and, you know, get get the most out of them. But, you know, I just I really had a great time in games. We'll just, you know, just couldn't say enough good things about that place. Well, Coach, you just ratted off some some you know, just marquee coaches that you got to be around. And I know, you know, especially under Urban Meyer, uh, there were, that, that staff was just loaded with, with future head coaches. Um, talk about, you know, I guess what that was like for playing under Urban Meyer and then uh, under Will Muschamp. What were the similarities or differences between those guys? You know, both go, both guys being as successful as they are, you know, they're very demanding. And I think, um, you know, they know how to demand, demand it out of you and really, you know, get you to think a certain way just to, you know, be successful and, you know, put you in a position to be successful is what, what I, you know, got from really both, both coaches. Now they have their own styles. Obviously, you know, coach Meyer had, you know, been being a head coach for a longer time. You know, I know he was in Utah and Bowling Green before he was in Florida, you know, Muschamp had, you know, taken over and was a defensive minded coach, you know, those. So obviously Meyer being more of an offensive guy and, you know, Muschamp being more defensive minded was, you know, two differences in the program, but you know, both guys just really know how to get the best out of their, you know, really not get the best out of their players. And you know, you know, Coach Meyer, you know, just being, you know, doing little things right. You know, sometimes as a young player, as an eighteen-year-old kid, you know, you might not understand. You know, right. man, why has he got me doing this? Right. But right. As you as you get older and you see, and I can even think back to like, you know, as a coach now myself. uh, you know, I understand why we were doing that. You know, and and some of a lot of that stuff was bigger than football, and right. you know, it's it helps you. You know, not just on the field be successful, but some of those traits you develop and you know that you that you get while you play there. You know, you're able to take them into the workforce and whatever you do. So that's right. just kind of 
what those experiences were like. Well, I love that that the word that you said both those guys had was that word demanding, and and I think that's such a great quality that all coaches should aspire to have. That that at the end of the day, uh, I I think we should worry less about kids liking us or not or anything like that, but just be demanding. And you know, they may not appreciate it at the time, kind of like what you said, but it's something one of those things later on down the road they definitely will appreciate it and 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 uh and be understanding and appreciative of the fact that you were demanding uh, on them so uh, i'm going to read off the list of coaches that you sent to me when i asked about coaches who had an influence on you because it's a pretty impressive list and you already mentioned a few of these but dan quinn who of course is the falcons head coach uh, larry johnson uh, really an iconic defensive line coach there at ohio state todd bates who's a clemson d-line coach chris rump chris rump uh, tennessee outside linebackers coach uh, Jeff Collins, the Georgia Tech head coach, just got hired this year. And then Randy Shannon, uh, who is the the um, uh, defense coordinator over there at Central Florida now. So I guess talk to uh, about those guys specifically and how they each specifically had an impact on you as a as a person and as, as a coach. Uh, well, you take a little bit from each one. I mean, you know, Dan Quinn, uh, you know, I said earlier, he coached me my senior year of college and, you know, Coaching was something that, you know, I kind of was thinking about, did I really want to do it, you know, kind of as a player as I got later in my career, you know, probably by my junior year is probably the first time I kind of had the thought. And then, you know, I remember having this, you know, just talking to DQ here in passing, he talked about how much he loved and enjoyed coaching. And, you know, he really has a passion for it. And, you know, his players really respect him. And, you know, it's, it was pretty cool to, cool to see that. And, you know, as we move on, guys like Larry Johnson, and Larry Johnson's a guy I've kind of gotten, you know, just really know he started to get to know here the last couple of years. I went to work to Ohio State's camp, and, you know, he's been great to me. I mean, he's, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's almost like a wizard. He's, yeah. With a nice ass. Right. The way he carries himself is really one of the big things I got from him and just how to, you know, really, you know, manage your players and get the most out of, you know, out of your players. Because, you know, because a lot of guys think, you know, demand, I use the word demanding earlier, as you said, you know, the cool thing about Larry Johnson is he doesn't use training. And his boys play hard and they go hard and they do, and, you know, and you watch, you know, I mean, you watch them, they, they play really, really hard up there. And it's cool to see his way of doing things. And that's one big thing I got from him. Uh, you know, I, I worked directly for Todd Bates when I first got into coaching. He was at Jacksonville State as a defensive tackle coach. I, I became his GA when, he, when I first got here. And, you know, just different ways to motivate guys is, you know, really what I got from Coach Bates and, you know, just how to – he really helped me develop as a person, you know, as well, just because I was coming from a – I was 20 – I think 24 when I first got into it. You know, I'm 29 years old right now. Just kind of, you know, really understanding how to relate to different people is one thing I got from, uh, you know, just Coach Bates. And Chris Rump, you know, I worked for uh, – uh, I did GA at the University of Florida in 2016. Worked directly with him when he was a defensive line coach. Uh, you know, Chris Rump got a lot of, you know, picked up a lot of technique fundamentals. You know, also he's another great guy for player relations. And that's that's the big thing in this profession. You know, just people always talk about relationships. And, you know, it seems like every time that's talked about, it's always about getting a job or knowing this coach and getting this whatever. But I think the relationship with your players are the most valuable that you can build. Yeah. And. You know, because at the end of the day, you know, I coach for I coach for the guys because, you know, and we, like anybody else, I had my ups and downs in this sport. And I think that uh, the things that I went through, the negative, the good things and the negative things, everything I went through, you know, was to eventually benefit somebody else if I could. You know, and that's just part of, you know, the relationship piece. And Jeff Collins, you know, I got um, he was the D.C. down in Florida at that time. And organizationally, you know, it's kind of. He's a very, very organized coach. Yeah. <laughs> very, yeah. Very, very organized. And he likes things a certain way. And you know, the way he teaches, kind of, his, just the way he puts it up there for kids and gets and installs and the way he does things and the why he gives people, kind of, that's what I picked up from him. And, yeah. you know, just, and just looking at his big picture stuff. I mean, he's a, he's a big picture guy, see, and I, and I like, and I kind of like that from him. And, you know, Randy Shannon, is a you know another was another great coach. He was the linebacker coach down there, and when Jeff left to become the head coach at Temple at the time, you know Randy kind of took over as the DC. The, uh, he he just did a phenomenal job stepping in there. Uh, you know we won a, we were able to win that bowl game, and 
the, the way the respect he commanded from the from the kids, the way you know, it was just really really unique. Just the way they related to him, they loved him, and you know, I just couldn't say enough good things about those guys. Yeah. Well, I want to back up and talk about something you mentioned with with uh, with Coach Johnson and Coach Rumpf and, and even Coach Shannon, and and about you talked about how great they were with building relationships with with players. And you talked about how Coach Johnson you know, doesn't use profanity, yet his kids still play hard for him. I guess what were some things specifically that those guys were doing that you saw that helped build those relationships with kids? Because I, because I think that's one thing as coaches we're always or should always be looking for is you know how can we relate to these kids and these kids who change you know as far as their interests and things you know, how can we relate to kids because you're right that is what it's all about is building those relationships with those kids so how did they do that specifically uh, i think um the way they did it if this makes sense i, th- I think they just kind of got on those kids level a little bit yeah and that doesn't mean necessarily that they were their friend but you know they really tried to truly listen to and understand those kids i know one cool thing that uh coach rump did that i still do to this day is and it's kind of happened by accident <laughs> he had the kind of the guy stand up and just talk in the meeting room about themselves and, you know tell each other you know just kind of introduce themselves to the to the room so you got you know a freshman in there for the first time he's you know scared to death and you know going through fall camp and you know we all know how that is so being a freshman and you know, he tells his story, and then you got older guys get up, he tells his story, and, you know, guys kind of, you know, figure out, hey, we all have something in common here. It's just, you know, inviting guys over to your house, taking them out, you know, just really, really trying to understand those kids and, you know, get on their level and really trying to see, you know, where they come from and not always, okay, this is the way we've done it for 20 years, and that's the way it should be, and you should do this, and you should think like that, because what, you know, even what I went through as a player just not that long ago is different than what these kids are doing now. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just getting on their level. Well, take me to when 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 you were a freshman walking on to the the campus of of University of Florida. I mean, you were walking into you know arguably that 2018, one of the greatest college teams in in the history of college football. So, what was that like? Um, and did you have someone there who kind of took you under their wing, or um, wh- what was that like as a freshman walking into a, a team that that was that that was that good and had that high of expectations? Uh, put upon them so what was that like well you try to just get in and where you you fit in and looking for any opportunity that you could get because i mean it was a very 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 competitive uh camp and competitive team just and i'm talking about just within the team right we had a lot of healthy good healthy competition i mean you're talking about some some guys who were playing at that time i mean we had some guys who were I remember backups on that team. They went on to have, you know, solid NFL careers. Right, <laughs> right. It was just, it was just good. It was a very, very, very competitive team and very, very mentally tough. I remember, you know, it just, and, you know, I remember a few times having the freshman blues. I'm just like, man, this is, you know, it's kind of rough. And, you know, you had guys on the team a couple, a couple years older. You know, they talked to you, you know, man, just be encouraged. Hey, look, man, you're doing fine. Just keep working hard, all that stuff. And so that's just, you know, that's just part of it. it yeah. It wasn't in, the funny, the interesting thing about it was, it wasn't the goal. Was the big goal wasn't it wasn't uh, winning that championship. It was first of all, you got to get to Atlanta. You know, we got to take care of business before we can do what you know do the big one. So it was kind of compartmentalized a little bit as far yeah. as what what the mindset and goal was. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, so you talked about it was about your junior year that you started to uh, maybe have an interest in getting into coaching. Uh, so talk talk to us about your GA your experiences as a GA there at Florida. What was that like to you know, graduate uh, and then turn around and, and be a graduate assistant there uh, at your alma mater? Uh, you know, it was a great experience. Um, you know, at first it was a little interesting because I was like, you know, this is, I used to be on the other side of this and now I'm up here you know, right. in the offices. You know, I thought it was just kind of inter- interesting doing, you know, just seeing both both perspectives of it. Just kind of thinking yeah. back, I was like, I wonder what he said about me. But, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. it was it, it was good. You know, it was a lot of hard work. Um, there's some, you know, I think a lot of growth there. I, I'll, I'll say that, you know, it really helped open my eyes to some things. Cause I did GA at Jacksonville State first, and then I went to Florida. And, you know, it was just from one place to the next, you know, you had experience, experiences in, the, you know, my experiences at Jacksonville State. But, you know, then I go to Florida and become a grad assistant. You know, there's some things I was asked to do that I might not have been you know, necessarily asked to do as much at uh, Jacksonville State and, you know, vice versa. So it's just, it was a, 
it was a, it was a good it was a good experience. So after after being a graduate assistant at at Florida, you went on uh, went back to Jacksonville State uh, to become a position coach. Is that correct? Yes, it is. And so, and and really, you landed in a great spot. You know, Jacksonville State is um, you have won five Ohio Valley Conference championships in a row, uh, and and even you played for a, a national championship in 2015. I know you weren't uh, a part of that that team, but anyway, that's just a great great Division One. Uh, AA program or FCS program. Uh, so, so talk to me about uh, what's been the key to to your continued success uh, there at Jacksonville State. Winning five conference championships in a row is very, very difficult. It, you know, whatever wherever you do it at, it's very difficult. And I think, you know, one big key that's been the reason we've had some, you know, success doing that is, you know, our kids attitude and the way they expect and they expect to win and now that can be a double-edged sword because sometimes if you talk about what we expect to win um you know that some people might take that as oh we're just going to roll the ball out there show up and you know they're just going to lay down for us but you know that's not really the case it's just you know our kids they they get used to finding ways to win games because you know you we won five but every game's not been you know, just a complete blowout. I remember last year against UT Martin, we had to throw a touchdown less than a, we had to throw a, pass, a touchdown pass with less than a minute to go to win that football game. Wow! So it's just our kids finding ways to win games and being mentally tough, and and also too, I think our kids love playing football. You know, when they're having when they're out there having fun, flying around, making plays, and executing. You know, it's it's a, it's a great time. You see them, you know, you have fun with them, and they it, it's it's really a thing to watch. How are y'all reinforcing that attitude of that ex- expectation to win? I'm sure part of it is it's it's in the the kids that you recruit, but then once you get them on campus, how do you ingrain that mentality into their mind? Like, hey, man, when you come here, you, you expect to win. I think it's just holding them to the standard, uh, you know, kind of the way we do things. It's just, you know, that's really all you can do because every team has a culture. Every team has a uh, – you know, the way, the way they do stuff. And, you know, you bring kids in, you have kids who've been doing it for a long time. And, you know, we won five in a row. I mean, right now we have, I mean, our, we have, we have kids on the team who literally have never lost a, don't know what it's like to not win a conference championship. Right. Um, we just, the seniors that just walked out of here, the red shirt seniors that just walked out of here are left with, you know, five rings. Wow. So, you know, it's, it's just, you know, kind of, kind of the deal. And, in that, you know, like I said, it can, you know, be, a, it, it, it's harder and harder to win the next one. It, it, it is that it's not, it doesn't ever get easier. It's harder and harder to win the next one. But I, I just think it's just reinforcing, you know, what we're about and, you know, to, to the guys joining your program and having those guys buy in. Right. Well then, and then winning five conference championships like that, like you said, um, I'm sure that one of the biggest things you have to battle is complacency. So how, how do you as a staff keep your kids, keep your guys from becoming complacent and content with, with where they are? Well, the way I do it is I, you know, I think you got to recruit really good players. You know, you, you, you let them know, Hey, you know, you can get content and get comfortable and, you know, think everything's all gravy and all that. But as college coaches, we have the luxury of going out recruiting. Right. And I tell mine, you know, every year I go out, I'm trying to replace you. That's the business of college football. That is, your job is to not let me beat you, not, not to not let me replace you. Yeah. So you keep kids hungry because nobody likes sitting on the sidelines. Right. You know, nobody likes losing. These kids, you know, they don't, you know, we lost our first conference game last year. They, it didn't feel good to them. They didn't like it. You know, it was, right. it was, we went to Southeast Missouri State. You know, they beat us. Uh, it was the first conference loss we'd had since we'd been here. And then we had to ride, take a long bus ride all the way back from, you know, Missouri to Alabama. It didn't feel good. Like our kids didn't like it. And they came back responded the next week. So I think that's just, um, you know, just keep it, trying to keep those kids motivated and just find yeah. And you got to find different ways to do that all the time, too. Because, you know, each kid is different. So yeah, what motivates one might not motivate another. But, you know, you just got to find a way. To really, you know, keep your kids motivated and keep them hungry and keep them working because you don't want to be the guy that lets the team down. Yeah, of course. You mentioned recruiting. So when you're out recruiting now, now the measurable stuff aside, when you're out recruiting a kid, uh, what are some things, some intangible things, some characteristics that you're looking for in a recruit that you want to bring on campus? For me, I like guys that can move. I like guys who are athletic. So. I look for guys who, you know, initial first step off the line of scrimmage. 
you know, do you have a quick first step? Can you, are you, what's your, what's your twitch like? Are you twitchy? You know, are you, a, you know, I don't, you know, particularly like the guys who are, you know, bigger and sluggish. Now, my nose tackles are bigger uh, right. body guys, but still those guys are twitchy and that have been twitchy and athletic uh, guys that we've had. And, you know, I like, um, I, I watch the guys use their hands. Uh, that's, 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 to me, if a kid understands how to use his hands in high school, you know, he, I think he's ahead of the curve. Cause it's, it's not a deal breaker if you're not, you're not a master of your hands in high school with me. But I just think, okay, we're going to have to really coach this kid and, you know, get him to understand how to use his hands and just understand his overall knowledge of the game. Yeah, yeah. And then as, as far as things like characteristics or traits, personality traits that those kids, what are some things that you're, you're looking for in those kids as far as that goes? Are you a hard worker? You know, what type of leader are you? You know, how do you, I mean, how do people in your school respect you? You know, things like that. I mean, are you somebody that gives your high school coach problems? You know, does the janitor in the school, you know, are they happy to see you when you come by? Stuff like that. You know, what type, it's just what type, what type of kid you are. I got a room full of good kids right now. And you know, they were those type of kids. You know, everybody was happy to see them. And, you know, they're good kids. They don't give me a bunch of trouble. And, you know, that's, that's what we try to recruit here. Well, let's let's get into uh, talking about uh, your your position and and coaching D line there at Jacksonville State. So you're the defensive tackles coach and also the run game coordinator, and, and we're going to talk today about pass rush, uh, coaching pass rush with those inside guys. Which there's not a lot of ink devoted to coaching pass rush with those inside guys. Most of the time, when you're seeing drills and things like that, it's typically gen, uh, uh, geared towards uh, your defensive ends. Uh, your five techniques, your nine techniques, whatever. So I guess go through your your coaching progression for pass rush uh, with those interior linemen. So we talk about uh, rushing with interior linemen. All right, the number one thing, uh, just from a physical standpoint, okay, is your stance. Okay, so we got to make sure you get in a good stance, and you know, our feet shoulder width apart. So even with the heel end step. I'm on my head. I'm gonna squat down. My hand is out in front of my head. My butt's up in the air, and I'm ready to get off the football. You've got. I think in Pat, when it comes to pass rush, you have got to get off the football. If you don't do anything else right, you've got to have a good get off. Because if you don't have a good get off, it makes it so much more difficult after that. Because you're already behind the curve. So the thing, you know, to kind of reinforce get off. I, you know, I do. You know, we do, we do get off drills every single day, and in the off season, you can still, you know. Have one of the weight coaches or whoever, if you can't, you know, be a ways. You just have them guys stand five yards away, hold up a tennis ball, drop it. They got to catch it on one bounce just to work on those guys triggering. You can train those fast twitch muscles. I do believe you can do that. Yeah. It's not, it's not something, you know, you just got to kind of, uh, you know, just, oh, he can get off. He can't get off. You know, I think everybody can improve their get off. It just takes work and work at it. Also, you know, having to get offs in the sand. We have a sand pit on camp. I, I, I have the guys to get off in the sand pit, you know. Guys do speed uh, training in the sand all the time. I mean, we're D linemen. That's how we run. We're going to get off in the sand and use yeah. that resistance. Try to try to get better, right? Know? And really focus on gaining ground with that first step. And trying to, and then I'm trying to beat him to the spot. There's about a when you're when I'm inside playing three technique. There's about a half a yard to a yard spot. I'm trying to beat him beat him to, right? And I and I got to get off, and I'm trying to close the distance between my. I got to get off and close the distance between myself and that offensive lineman. As quickly as I can, and that's the first. And that's the first phase, just getting off the football. Second phase is the uh, the actual move you do. So this comes through getting kids to understand. Okay, now how is he setting me? Which move is appropriate for when? And uh, you know, how, how, what's the best way to beat this guy? And that comes from film study, teaching kids how to watch film, and just really drilling a lot. Of, we do a lot of hand drills to drill different types of moves. To help the, to help those kids in, in different situations, and you know, kind of the third thing is the finish. You know, after every every drill, I believe has to have a finish. So you're always finishing through a line, finishing on a bag, always finishing on something because if you don't finish a rush, you know, that's the difference a lot of times between a sack and a quarterback hit, or you know, just not getting there at all. So yeah. after I get past the guy, I've got to accelerate to the to the uh, to the target. And, you know, my target, we try to, I tell my guys, when we get to the quarterback, we want to tackle high on the quarterback, okay, so he doesn't, you know, pull out with his legs or anything like that. And his strike zone is between his waist and his shoulders. And I'm going to attack his arm when I get to him. Let's let's back up to um, where you talked about your, your 
your get off and that spot that you said you're trying to beat, uh, you're trying to beat that offensive lineman to that spot. You said it was a half yard or a yard. Is that uh, behind his outside foot or that 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 offensive lineman's near foot? I guess. Yes, that's behind the outside, behind his uh, outside foot right there. Okay. Also, also in my alignment, I also believe you know sometimes you need to play you need to play with your alignment as a pass rusher. So it's teaching you know with with your get off it's teaching your kids how to play chess with the offensive line. Okay. So do I need to line up a little wider now? Do I need to back off the ball a little bit to put this guy in space? Do I need to get up on tight on this guy because he can't handle it when I when I make a quick answer, when I make a quick move on him? Yeah. Because he's going to set me move. So it's also teaching those guys how to play with their alignment. You know when I'm when I'm on a rusher when yeah. I'm on an offensive lineman. Excuse me. And and so if if I'm a defensive lineman and I beat that offensive lineman to that spot, does that mean I just keep on going? Uh, you know, once I beat him in that spot, there was really not much of a move to do. I didn't just run on past him. Is that is that right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're trying to you know you're trying to beat him to that spot. If you beat, and I say when I beat him to the spot and I get my hips past his, okay, I, and, I, and I get my hips past his, I'm gonna that's when I'm gonna accelerate and go by. Yeah. Now, what I tell those guys, okay, that offensive line is obviously set, okay. If he covers you up, gets nose to nose, then you make the inside move on. Is when, when you come and you counter back inside. Okay, now you know a, a certain principles that I give them as far as you know using their moves and stuff like that is high hands high, low hands low. Keep your high, keep high hands high and low hands low. So if I got an offensive lineman and I know he's gonna, you know, he's a he's a high puncher. You know, he's constantly you watch him on tape all week. He's punching guys in the shoulders, in the face, and that's kind of where his hands are. You know, we're going to keep we're going to work a lot of moves to keep his hands high. You know, if I got a guy, he's an undercut guy, you know, I'm going to try to keep his hands low as much as I can and, you know, try to use different moves to, you know, get get by him. So when you're talking about these moves and, and again, it sounds like uh, that you're obviously doing a lot of film study with these guys and, and breaking down each offensive lineman uh, and what their weaknesses are, what kind of pass setter they are. You know, like you said, are they a high puncher or a low puncher? Do they lunge? Uh, do their feet cross or shoulder pads come up? Things like that, uh, that that obviously kind of help you decide. Okay, here's what rush is going to be effective this week. Uh, how many rushes are your guys generally taking into a game with them? Well, they're going to understand. Okay, what's the you know when they go into a game? Okay, what's the best way to beat you know number whoever number yeah. seventy whatever yeah. one or whoever it is? So okay, I know this guy. This is the type of player he is. You know, he's a, you know, aggressive set. He's a jump setter, right? He's, you know, so he's going to he's gonna have his plan week to week, you know, just kind of how to defeat that guy. Yeah. You know, we, yeah. This guy's uh, what I call a soft setter. And what I mean by that is, you know, he gives a lot of ground in his set. He's not real stout. You know, I'm going to use more power moves. And that's another thing, you know, I, I failed to mention earlier. On the inside, with the inside of Russia, you know, I think, you know, those guys have got you've got to practice a lot of power moves with those guys because yeah. there's not a lot of space in there, you know, to do a lot of the same techniques. Some of the some of the moves on the edge with you know some of the the way they get their hips out and swipes and all the other stuff. So those guys have got to be able to you know be good power rushers as well because be, there will be time for that. And you know, I remember one one game we played a few years ago. Literally, that's all we did. We we had probably eleven sacks in the game, and all we did was walk. Walked off into linemen into the quarterback the whole game. So that's, yeah. you know, just yeah. really, really understanding, you know, who you're going against, and also knowing who you are as a defensive lineman. Right. And, and that's the thing I think um, you got to teach your kids. Okay, not only okay, this is who you're going against this week, but also who are you as a player? You know, what are your strengths and weaknesses? If you know, if if you're not a, you know, if you're not Warren Sapp and you don't need to be doing a spin move and all that <laughs> stuff, okay, yeah. don't do it. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Just know what know what works for you. Know what your best move is, and you know know how you can be successful against certain people. Yeah, and, and I, I like what you said about you know you got to teach those guys a lot of power moves because again they are rushing in a phone booth and they have to you have to really create your own space in there. You know, when you're a defensive end, you have you have, you have all kind of space already there. But as those inside guys rushing, they have to create their own space, whether it be with a counter move off the bat, you know, a, a head fake or something. So you, you talked about soft sets. You know, those guys are bailing out that probably the best thing, and maybe sometimes the only thing you can really do against that is just to, to use some sort of power move, bull rush or whatever. What about when those guys are jump setting? Because I know we see that a lot in high school. You get kids, especially who are lined up against a really aggressive, powerful defensive lineman in front of them, 
you know, they're going to stick that foot in the ground quickly and duck that head and, 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 and lunge at those offense, or I'm sorry, those defensive linemen. So what are some good moves for those, for, for when you're facing offensive linemen who do that? So when they're lunging, I mean, talking about inside moves, you can, I mean, it all, it all depends on, again, what that offensive lineman is giving you. So, I mean, you know, you obviously you have the hump move. I mean, you have, you know, you forklift them inside. What I mean by that is, I mean, you got a guy who's jumping you, but his hands are high. You know, my principal I talked about earlier, keeping high hands high. You know, I'm going to pop his elbow up and throw him by and come up under inside. Uh, you can always, you know, you, you know, if he's got his arm low on you, you can do what I call a wheel trap move. Okay, so if I'm, you know, kind of, he's kind of, his shoulders are kind of, uh, you know, turn to the sideline, parallel to the sideline right there. Yep. And he's trying to watch, watch me upfield. Okay, I can stick my inside hand. I'm going to try to power his, his inside shoulder right there. Uh-huh. And then I'm going to wheel my arm back inside as if I'm thinking about turning like a big rig right there on, on a uh, on one of those big 18-wheeler trucks. So I'm going to wheel my wheel back inside. I'm going to pin the elbow. I'm going to take my outside arm. I'm going to come back and clear myself through. Come back, chop it, and clear myself through. Okay. So, you know, those are just a couple good uh, – inside moves that you know it's like counter moves that you could use yeah well let's talk about the uh, the nose guards you know you talked you mentioned about three techs you know nose guards are generally going to be double teamed you know especially if they're rushing well if they're rushing from a from a two eye or, or just a nose shade those guys are getting double teamed so how do you coach those guys to get pressure when when you know they're going to be getting double teamed and and probably um you know not going to have a very clean rush lane in there so how, how do you how do you coach those guys up on pass rushing well, from when you're playing inside, and this is, you know, if you're a three technique or a nose guard, you've got to keep your feet moving and gaining ground. You know, if you're, if the, when those guys, when, the, when double teams happen, because it could happen to either you know, one of us, but especially a nose guard, I think it's critical. Your, your drive, a lot of times, you know, they're going to be the middle push guy who sets the pocket of the, uh, you know, that we want on defense where that quarterback cannot step up. And the key is you've got to keep your hands active you know and active with purpose okay so as i'm you know approaching the offensive lineman after i get out of my stance my hands are moving you know they're protecting my chest they're protecting my shoulders my face and i got my hands active i'm working my hands on the offensive lineman okay so i'm chopping his hands i'm swiping his hands i'm if i you know, if i throw a move and i it, and it doesn't work i'm gonna go back and throw a second move okay but when i'm getting double teamed the key is i've got to be one man then i gotta flip back and beat the other okay yep. I got to beat one man, then flip and beat the other. I can't. You're never. You're not going to get there sitting there pushing on two guys, right. two three hundred offensive linemen. You got to beat defeat one, then turn and defeat the other. And but you've got to keep your feet moving, and you've got to keep constantly working. Because if you, if you, I always tell my guys, if your hands or your feet stop, you will die on the rush. So it's, it's just critical that you stay active right there on the cover team and fight the hard battle. Yeah, yeah, you have to be relentless and and. It's got to be one of those things you just you have to think that you're going to get a sack. I think too many times kids they feel a double team like oh I'm not going to get there and you just never know that quarterback could pat the ball, uh, you know a defensive end could hit, could make him step up in the pocket and you got to be there, uh, you know when that happens. Um, and so you talked about keeping your hands and your feet moving and then defeating defeating one guy and then flipping around and, and defeating the other one. What's the best way to defeat that guy that you're lined up on? Usually it's the center. Uh, is it by you know is it Bull rushing him and then and then snatch him to the ground or or just a swim move or or you know club and rip something like that. What's the best way to beat that guy, the, the first guy? Well, you know, a lot of times right there, you know, I don't necessarily know if you will know, be able to really bull rush that guy or because you know, that guard a lot of times coming down pretty pretty heavy when he, you know he's double he's they're, they're double teaming you and he's got a pretty good presence right there. So you know, I think you got to kill his hands on you know again it goes back to knowing who center is. So you got to kill his hands. And that's really, you know, really working and getting your shoulders around, getting your hips through, and you know, working his hands. And then, I mean, when I get my when I get past him, I got to flip back and get the other one. There's a drill we do for it. Um, it's, you know, just simple tight back pop up, where I, you know, everybody goes to the pop up bags. You know, about you know five yards apart or whatever. But you know, you get them real tight in there, and you know, really forces those guys to work their hands, work their feet, and they got to beat one back, flip back real quick, beat the other one. And I yeah. think that's just yeah. you no know, drill. Drills you can uh one drill you can incorporate to kind of you know help guys reinforce okay I'm gonna beat this guy then I'm gonna flip back and beat this guy it's right. just you know but it just takes repetition. Well, let's talk about some drills that you like using uh, to 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 coach pass rush. So uh, you mentioned the pop ups and and I think you know probably most of us do that where 
uh, you have three or four pop-ups and those guys are weaving through and, and doing moves. And, and like you said, condensing those down is really good, especially for those interior guys. What are some other things that you like to do to, to uh, drills that you like to use to teach pass rush? I also like to make a lot, a lot of my drills on transition. So, um, you know, when we're going over, we're doing some of our agility stuff. And, you know, this is something Chris Rump did and it's something Larry Johnson did, does a lot of as well. Uh, if I'm going over, if I'm going over agility bags, right, you know, instead of just going over agility bags, running through the cone, you know, I'm going through over agility bags and I might, you know, put, you know, two random pop-ups might show up and I'm club rip, club swim or whatever, and I'm back over agility bags and I'm getting, you know, and then I'm finishing with quarterback, you know. So just a lot of trends, but I think as much as like transitioning as you can, because, you know, especially with all the play action and RPO stuff today, you know, I think defensive linemen really have to do a good job of being able to translate to pass and, you know, get from, you know, one mode to, you know, to another one real quick. So, yeah. you know, just as much you know, movement and just trans- transition as possible. Another drill I do, uh, and it's is real simple, uh, and, you know, I, I give them the why on it just so they kind of know what it's for and understand it. You know, I line up two, I line up two pop-ups uh, kind of in a line and they're real, real close to each other. And the reason for it, once it one simulates, you know, the initial your initial move right there, so you're getting off on the ball. It simulates the initial move that you're throwing on, a, on an offensive line. Okay, you yeah. throw it, you, you give him a club rip, right? Now we're acting like that offensive lineman recovered, and he's and he's back there, and we're going to club rip again. I think you know just as many moves. If you can you know find drills where guys are throwing moves on moves, and you keep reinforcing, hey, yeah, you know, throw your second and third move, you know, because yeah. that's most that's where most sacks happen off the second and third move. Yeah, not it's very very rare, you know. Guy just beats the guy cleaning. I'm going to get a sack. I mean, it happens, but if you really look at most sacks, a lot of them are you know clean up sacks. Guys, you know, working, you know, working, 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 throwing, you know, they keep fighting, and then they finally get there. That's you know, that's just I think you know really really big to harp on, just especially inside. Those guys keep working moves because a lot of times it's not going. You're not going to run by a, a guard just clean. Right. You know, yeah. There's not a lot of space in there, right. so you got to keep throwing those moves. Yeah, I really like that. That's a great point that. Uh, and it goes back with what you were talking about, especially with 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 nose guards rushing, is that rarely is it that first move, especially inside guys, and you have to be relentless. And I think that also reinforces, you know, I mentioned this, alluded this to this earlier. You know, a lot of times when kids their 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 initial rush is shut down, they shut down. They're like, well, crap, that didn't work. And and so it teaches them to just keep keep working, keep battling your hands, and keep being relentless uh, if you want to get a sack. Uh, any other drills that you like to work? Well, you know, I talked about going power moves, uh, you know, earlier on the inside. Yeah. And, you know, just, you know, I coach D tackles, but, you know, I play defensive end. And, you know, I think all D linemen have to have a go-to of power, whether you yeah. play on the inside or the outside, because if you're a straight finesse guy and you can't go to power, you know, I think that, um, you know, it doesn't make uh, – you face a really athletic tackle and you're – trying to be finesse he can just you know sit there and dance with you i mean what are we doing here yeah yeah exactly i think all the linemen got to go to you know really work power and you know kind of ways you know i i work on bull rush you know is you know i use i use the pop-ups um you know you can just it's real easy just have you know set your pop-up up have have guys start a couple yards off you know get off the ball i tell them to play on their outside foot uh drop their pads you know sing and then power into the and then power into the pop up. Now, when you power into the pop up, my hand is going to be above my eyes, and my ear is going to go to my shoulder. Okay, my ear is going to go to my shoulder, and I'm going to the hand that I'm powering with. That's where I'm going. So if I'm powering, if I'm steps getting my right foot in the ground, okay, and that's my power foot, and I'm powering into the uh, pad with my left arm, my left ear is going to go to my shoulder. So that's just one other simple way of you know just working just on my uh, simple bull rush right there. Okay. So with that, are they punching that that pop up and running their feet, or are they just punching it to where they get it back on the ground and then letting it pop back up? How, how does that work? So they're pun- they're punching and powering through it. Okay? okay, we're just working on the initial right there, just working on the initial uh, yeah, power. Yeah, I got through. you. Okay, I got so you. they're just punching it. It's going down to the ground. They're just running through. Okay, and then then you advance into it where they sink it in. Okay, I got my long arm sunk in. I'm going to power. Now that that offensive lineman is trying to sit down, this this one I actually work on. You know, we work on each other. We work on, you know, with people or however we work it. And that offensive lineman is trying to sit down. Now he gives me a 
you know, a high hand or a low hand. I got to work off of it. So it's just, again, it's another transitional move. Okay, I go to power right now. Okay, my power, he's starting to stall me out a little bit. Okay, he's starting to sit it down. Now, okay, if he's leaning forward, I'm going to snatch him, and I'm going to go by him. Okay, if his hand is high, I'm going to take it up. If his hand is low, I'm going to chop it down, and I'm going to go. It's just, you know, just another transitional way of working working a power move. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's talk about a drill that everybody in the country does, uh, I, I would assume. Uh, and, and that is the one-on-ones with offensive linemen. And I've seen it done a bunch of different ways. And, and, um, and so h- how do you all do that at Jacksonville State? Is that something you all do that you go work one-on-ones with offensive linemen? And how do you all do that? We do it. And, you know, it looks a lot like, you know, probably what every one-on-one offensive, you know, offensive line drill in America looks like. A lot of times start one tackles and we go down the line from, you yeah. know, we keep our guys out of two eyes on it. You know, I, I like those guys rushing threes when when they go, and it really gives them a chance to kind of you know work, you know, work on some of the stuff we practiced in Indy. Yes, and you know, work on. Uh, to me, to me, that that time right there is it's it's almost like stealing more you know individual reps for me. The way, right. the way I kind of look at it because now you can actually put some of those drills you worked on to you know use, and you can start kind of trying to see. It helps you. Okay, I'm I'm. For me, it helps me as a coach like this. I'm telling this kid, okay, if he jumps you, come inside, okay? He's the one actually doing it, okay? Right. This guard jumps him. What's he, now I can get what he's seeing. Exactly. I can, you know, yeah. I, I can be told, okay, he's, he's, he's looking at it like this, you know? So that's, that's, that's how it helps me. Yeah. That's why we've got it here. Yeah, and I think the takeaway from that, too, is, is it's not always about winning that drill. If y'all are working something that week because – you know, the, the, the guard that you're going to see that week does this, or this, or this, or whatever, so you're going to work this move. You know, it's not always about just beating the guy on your team. You know, it's about working the move that you're going to carry into the game that week. And I know that can sometimes be frustrating for kids because they want to win, right? Uh, and it's sometimes like getting them away from the move that they always use that we know that they can do, but hey, we're trying to work on something else. So I think that's a great spot for that, too, like you mentioned, work on some things that you're going to be doing that week. Well, how do you use movements or twists to generate pass rush or pressure with with your interior guys? Is that something y'all do a lot? Uh, yeah. I mean, it really depends on you know, kind of. You know, like I said, you go in different games with different game plans, and you know, some games, if we feel like we got a pretty good matchup up front, you know, we might just like I know we my three technique last year was a really good rusher, and he's really twitchy. So, you know, a lot of times we just. We we felt like he, we had a severe advantage with him against you know a particular guard. We just let him go. And then there be times you know we felt like you know the quarterback can hurt, can hurt you a little bit with his legs in the pass game. That's when I think you know you can use some more of those twists and and those stunts up front to kind of you know muddy some of that stuff up to help keep that quarterback in the pocket because you know that's that's at the end of the day you know we're talking you know everybody wants to get a sack everybody wants this. But rushing the pass for the music collective effort. Yeah. And you know, you've got to, you know, you those inside guys have got to work with those ends and restrict that pocket. If that quarterback can't step up, if he can't, you know, find those open holes and windows, it's really, really hard, you know, for him to sit there and kind of dice you up in the pass game. And that's what we want to do. We want to affect the guy without, you know, letting him sit and get his feet comfortable. You want him, you know, moving and get him get his steps messed up, throw his timing off. That's what we're trying to do there. Yeah, and, and and so this is something that I see a lot on on Saturdays and Sundays, you know, in college and, and professional football. You know, when I when I'm watching it, is that especially in passing situations, you'll see a lot of times where uh, the interior lineman will get in two threes. You know, the nose guard they'll get they'll have a three to the strong side, three to the weak side. Uh, is that something that y'all ever do to kind of help negate that double team with the center or make him have to pop out or uh, maybe create a little more space for those guys? Yeah, we we've done some of that stuff in the past. Uh, we didn't, we did not do it. We've not done as much of it lately. Yeah. You know, but we, it's something we have done, you know, something I've been around in my career. And, you know, a lot of times when, when you get an even, you know, you're really getting those guys to kind of understand how you want to rush out of even. There's a way you want to rush out of even. I'm not going to really get to yeah, too many right, details, right. But, you know, there's, there's definitely a way you, if you're just going to do a straight rush out, there's definitely a way you kind of want to, Attack, attack that, and so that the quarterback can't really hurt you. Because right there, if you get an even and you both get three techniques, run up the field, you know, beat them to the spot, and that center just takes off. 
I yes. mean, they got a quarterback draw, especially they got a guy that can hurt you with his legs. Yeah, so, that's that's right. That's right. You got to really, you got to really understand, you know, how to how to rush out of even if you're going to destroy your stuff. Yep. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that those two guys have to be in communication with each other, and there has to be an understanding uh, there that about that. Again, we won't get into too much of that. Uh, I don't want to give stuff away, but yeah, that's that's um, again, I see that's something that that and we were talking about twists and movements that guys will even line up in in you know in double threes. Uh, and then twist or or or, or uh, move around to to eat up those interior gaps to make that uh, muddy the water a little bit for those quarterbacks and, and and keep them from being able to step up. Well, so as um, you know, as high school coaches, we typically you know, we have a limited amount of time in practice uh, to devote to individual work, especially once the season starts. So, what advice would you give to to high school D line coaches about teaching pass rush? efficiently and effectively in a small amount of time like what's the most important skill that should be taught when it comes to pass rush i think the most important skill uh if, you're, if that's the question just what's skill yeah it's just really how to get off the football we talked about you know get off being the most important thing it or just because it's the number one thing just really understand get those kids to understand how to get off the football. Yeah. And you know, for me, you know, when I tell my guys to get off the football, when, you know, those third long situations, you know, we're gaining as much ground. We can't that first step. Cause we got to get to that spot. It's like running a 40 yard dash. You know, they train you to, you know, run and all that stuff. Those guys tell you, you know, get, get out, gain ground with that step and you go. So you got to gain ground with that first step and get to, and, you know, get to whatever spot you're, you know, you're getting to. Also, you know, you talk about, uh, the next thing I'd say that's probably just as important, especially for high school kids, is just you know hand drills. And now, you, however, whatever you believe hand drill wise, or what you know how you do them is how you do them. But the way I think you can kind of maximize your time and um, you know being limited on certain stuff is if especially in season, if you have you know you can get your guys out there you know ten minutes early before you start stretching yeah. or whatever. That's the opportunity to steal some reps. Yeah. If you know, if you're in the if you're in the weight room as a high school, you know, a lot of know a lot of high school D line coaches, also strength coaches, you know, grab your D lineman after weight, keep 10, 15 after, and you know, work work on something. You know, it doesn't have to be nothing strenuous or killer, but it's just an extra way to you know steal a few reps right there that you know can make all the difference in the world come season. Well, yeah, coach, and that's a great point about looking for those pockets of time in practice or before or after practice. To, to work that stuff because you know when we're talking when we're talking pass rush that's generally something kids want to work on um if it's run fits you know maybe good luck getting those guys to want to to want to volunteer to work some run fits but pass rush is one of those things that all those guys they want to be good at because everybody wants to get sacks and 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 you know get their name in the paper and so yeah i think that's that's a great point about looking for those pockets of time you know, if, if your kids aren't on a special teams to get them over there and work some hand fighting drills or you know, get out there a few minutes before practice or stay a little bit after practice to to work that. And that can make a big difference, obviously, for you, you know, if you if you you know stay consistent with that. Just as we kind of close this this part of our conversation with with the pass rush part, what are some some other tips or advice that you might give young defensive linemen who are wanting to improve their 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 abilities as a, as a pass rusher? We talked about earlier, you know, knowing who you are as a player and, you know, as a young player, that's hard to do, you know, just kind of know who you are as a player. But I think, you know, you, you got to try to figure out what uh, what physical gifts do you have and what can you what can you work and you be successful at. OK, so and, you know, 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 know what your ability level is and then you know, get really, really good at something, you know. So if I'm a high school D lineman, one thing I'm going to be good at is I, I can tell you is my hand usage. If I, I don't I don't think you can be, you know, we talk about getting out the football, yes, but as far as just using your hands, I would, you know, if I was a high school D lineman and that's what I wanted to do and I wanted to be a really, really good pass rusher, I would really, really, really work on using my hands because, you know, I think a lot of high school offensive linemen, you know, I think they'll give you they'll they leave their hands sitting right there for just for the taking. <laughs> I yeah. think you could yeah you could really, 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 really make you know, wreak some havoc if your kid just had a really good understanding of, you know, using hands and recognizing sets and just and just you know, just 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 how to get to the quarterback. I think it, that'd be a way for young D linemen to really improve. Well, let me since you mentioned that, let me back you up, back up, and ask you one more question about that. So when so when they're working their hands, when you know these, if they're if you're doing this hand fighting stuff, how are you coaching that up? As far as where where are the, where are they chopping or punching or clubbing? Like where where does that where where should those 
those movements land uh, on that offensive lineman. All right, so when, let's, talk, let's talk about the club, for example. Uh, you know, if I got an offensive lineman, he's going to give me mid-level arm right there, and yeah. you know, he's right there for a club. One thing I do is I tell my guys, we're gonna, we're gonna imagine you take your hand and you be like, and you, and I say, cup it. So your thumb is up. You're gonna turn your hand over, and my thumb is up, and I'm gonna cup that elbow. Yeah. Okay. So when I'm clubbing, I'm trying to cup that elbow so I can lock a joint. Okay. If I lock his joint right there, and when I take my, and when I club, and I, you know, take my surface away, take my surface area away with my shoulders and my hips, then he won't be able to recover on me because right. I've, I've locked his joint. He can't take it out of there and recover. And then I'm gonna step through with a rip, same arm, same foot, up to the sky, and then I'm going by. I, I like that. Um, and again, I think that. That that's a great point of you know cupping your hand. Uh, we call it make you know just making a C. Same thing uh, with your hand and and going up underneath that elbow to lock that thing out. That's that's a little detail that that I know I've missed in in, in my coaching progression. So that's something I'm to, I'm gonna have to work in. And then I like what you talked about is as you do that, you know we always talk about it's kind of like there's a there's a cord or a rope tied from your wrist to your belt loop there. You know that sort of pulls your your shoulders and hips open because. You know, a lot of times kids will have a great club or a great punch or whatever, but they don't they don't get their hips open. And so, that, like you said, that surface area is so big and so great that that offensive line was able to recover on them. Uh, so that's a great point there. So what about a chop? You know, we got a club. What about a chop? All right, so if I'm going to chop, all right, so one thing I want to use is the God bless, especially defensive tackles. God bless, bless defensive tackles with really, really big forearms. Yeah. And, you know, really strong forearms, most of them, too. You know, when I got a guy gonna give me a low hand, I'm gonna I'm gonna chop his arm down. You know, I'm trying to you know step the same hand, same foot again. Now when I'm chopping, I'm making contact. You know, about I want to make contact near his wrist, okay? And I want to use my forearm to break his grip. All right, so I'm using my forearm right there, and I also gotta make sure I am dropping my weight down, okay? I'm a D tackle, so I weigh you know, if I'm a D tackle, Jacksonville State, I can weigh anything from 280 to 320 pounds, so. I want to drop my weight on down on that guy, so to really, really make sure I break, he, I break his grip. Now, after I drop my weight, it is crucial that I have got to, you know, come back up with it. Okay, I got to come back up with a rip with it, and because that will naturally accelerate me into the quarterback. Because yes. I got to, you know, we talked about finish earlier. After I chop, I got to dip, and then I got to rip back up and accelerate so I can go finish. Yeah, that was a, uh, and it's funny you mentioned that because that was a question. You know, I, I follow a lot of D-line coaches on on Twitter, and that was a question the other night that a, co- a coach had is about how do you how do you coach up that accelerating through the hoop or accelerating through uh, once those those guys bend that corner, you know, they they they're they're bending to turn that corner to get to the quarterback. How do you coach up that acceleration? And I think you just mentioned it. You know, as they start out, they're going to start with their their inside shoulder down, but then they have to accelerate up and, like you said, uh, rip to the sky, punch the clouds, however you want to say it. And that's going to help them accelerate through the quarterback. And then to, to reference what you said earlier, you know, hit that quarterback high and that strike zone there between his waist and his shoulders and, and attack his throwing arm. So, um, yeah, it's great stuff. And, and I think, again, the more detail-oriented we can be when teaching that, the better that those kids are going to understand that. And then they can go home and practice that stuff on their own uh, and, and steal reps that way. Well, Coach, we, uh, we're going to wrap up with a few questions just for fun, uh, three questions. Yeah, just have a little fun here. So we, we, we talked about how you play ball at, a, at the University of Florida in the Swamp, and I'm sure you played in a lot of great college football environments, a lot of hostile environments on the road. So talk to us about the best college football environment you experienced as a player there at Florida. Best college football environment. My sophomore year, we went to LSU, and it was a night game. That oh, wow. one was probably one of the better ones I can remember. Yeah. LSU was always, you know, that's our that was our West rival, and we played them every year, and you know it was a very very fast football game. Obviously, both teams have a lot of speed and great yeah. athletes, and it was you know they were really good, we were really good, and I mean LSU's crowd, you know, you go there especially for a big night game like oh, yeah. that, they they know how to do it. Oh so. yeah, they're, they're lathered up by by nighttime. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So it was. I, I'd say that was probably. Just off the top of my head, probably one of the better, you know, 
just follows crowd energy yeah. and all that stuff in the away games I can remember. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, they got the tiger eye painted on the middle of the field. I should imagine putting my hand in the dirt in that game and, and right there on that on that spot there in the 50-yard line where they had that thing painted. And I just can, can imagine that's got to be really an awesome experience uh, to play a night game there in Death Valley. Okay, you, you kind of referenced this earlier, but, you know, GAs, you're a GA at, at Jacksonville State and at, and at Florida. And GAs have are you know it's kind of kind of known that they sometimes have to do some crazy things you know some things outside of football you know whether it be you know getting laundry or babysitting or whatever so uh, what were some unusual things that you had to do as a GA whether it be at Jacksonville State or or at Florida? I think the most unusual thing I ever had to do was babysit one of our uh, <laughs> players' sons during while he was at weights. Wow! So yeah, yeah he he was. Uh, the little kid, he was, how old was he at the time? I don't even think he was two years old. <laughs> you know, he yeah. was just old enough to really, you know, walk and do all that stuff. And kind of had my family, you know, I'm one of the younger ones. So, yeah. you know, I ain't got, I don't have a whole lot of experience at the time with little kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he, you know, it's just me and him. And at first he was crying because, you know, his dad left and all that. And then we sat there and watched, you know, one of those little kid shows that he wanted to watch. and. He had his he had his bottle, then he proceeded to use the bathroom on me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it was it was it was a quite an experience. Was that at Florida or Jacksonville State? That was at Jacksonville State. So I'm sure right then you said, Man, I've hit it big time. This is what coaching's all about right here. <laughs> Little kids, you know, going to the bathroom on me and, and babysitting watching Mickey Mouse Clubhouse or something. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh l- last question. Uh who was the best offensive line or or lineman? that you remember facing as a player and what made them so good? I'd probably say, you know, after I did play at Florida, I did kind of undrafted to Cleveland for, you know, about 45 minutes. So I'd say, <laughs> uh, I'd probably say Joe Thomas, you know. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, just going, I got to go against him several times while I was there, you know, I was there for training camp and, you know, preseason and all that stuff. And, you know, just, he, he was real, real patient as a setter, you know, and, you know, really, really, really long. And, you know, he just, you know, a guy that, you know, that good, you know, he was, he was definitely one, probably one of the better ones I ever can remember going against. Well, just describe that really quick, the difference between, I mean, because you played it at, at Florida, you know, right? SEC East, that's some, some great football there. What was the jump like going from, to, from Florida to then to the, to the NFL? Well, you know, they say the game is faster and all that. That is true. The game is much faster in the NFL. You know, things happen faster. You watch offensive linemen, uh, <laughs> zone block in the NFL. You know, I, I've I've been fortunate to go to some you know OTAs and just you know watch you watch some of those offensive linemen zone block and do some of that stuff. I mean, it's like they all run the four six four. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's quite remarkable. And then you know you talk about you know pass that and stuff like that. In in that league, I believe you don't have you know if you don't have length, you know you better be really really fast because yeah, it, it, it is really tough. So those offensive linemen, I mean, you look at an NFL tackle or you know, whatever. If you took them all, you'd think they're a bunch of NBA power forwards. Cause, exactly. Because of the length and, you know, all that. And some of the edge rushers, you know, they got to have that length. And like I said, if you don't have that length, you know, you better run a 4-5. Right, right. Well, and then you as you mentioned, like you mentioned with Joe Thomas being a patience, a patient setter. You know, then you throw on, on top of that, the, you know, the athletic ability. But then those guys who spend years, you know, you wonder how some of these guys are able to hang in the league for so long. Even after they lose a step or two, it's because – they're so, um, you know, their te- technique is so is so perfect and so on point that that allows them to play beyond their ability. And so I could just can imagine, you know, there's probably not a whole lot those offensive linemen hadn't seen as far as pass rushes and moves and things like that. So I can just imagine that's extremely difficult to, uh, you know, to get to to fool those guys. Right. Yeah. It, you know, it is. You know, and being a rookie, you know, trying to make a team and you're going against guys. You know, going to be a Hall of Famer here, you know, in a few years. You right. know, it's right. You know, it, it's 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 different. You know, it is different. You know, you know, you know, you take your lumps, but you you know, you don't you just learn, and you know, you've got to improve each practice. Well, Coach Green, it has been a uh, just a really pleasure to to talk with you, and uh, I just want to thank you again for coming on and talking with us and sharing some of your knowledge with us, and want to wish you and the and the Gamecocks best of luck as y'all shoot for uh, six straight. OVC Championships this season. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Big shout out to Coach Green for talking with us today. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at WillGreen96.
We're getting a lot of great feedback about this podcast, and I got to tell you, that means a lot. We're having a lot of fun putting this stuff out for you each week. And coaches, this podcast is for you. If you're liking what you're hearing, please rate and review this podcast. That helps other coaches find us. So do that for us if you don't mind. Also, make sure you're following us on Twitter at KYPD Podcast and feel free to ask questions, suggest topics or guests that you want to hear from. Or if you just want to say what's up, that's cool too. Our quote of the day comes from Martin Luther King Jr. And it says, The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. Coaches, thank you so much for checking us out today. Follow our Twitter page for updates from Coaching School. And if you're in Houston, you see me walking around, please stop me. Say what's up. I might even have a t-shirt for you. If not, maybe a piece of gum or, if nothing else, a firm handshake. Anyway, that'll do it for us this week. Y'all do me a favor and please keep your passion.